Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, cultural psychologist with the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. And today's episode is going to focus on nonprofits serving and enduring amidst a public health pandemic. Excited today to have two of my bosses and colleagues <laughs> and a colleague on the line with me today. <laughs> we have uh, our president and CEO, uh, Mr. Rudolph Johnson III. Rudy, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Thank you, Doc. Good to be yes. here. And excited to also have Dwight Smith, General Counsel and General Manager of Legal at the Neighborhood House Association. Thank you so much for being with us, Dwight. Hello, Dr. Dwight. Yes. And our, uh, my fabulous um, colleague and just esteemed chairman of the board at the National Head Start Association and our general manager of education, instruction, and operations, Mr. Damon Carson. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Dr. White. Hello. Yes. So um, I'm going to just ask us to start with a, maybe a bit of a step back, and we're going to be talking a lot about how we've, how we've made it through and how we are doing amidst this public health pandemic. And thought maybe you could share a little about Neighborhood House, the organization, before we jump into the conversation. Uh, Rudy, if we could have you start us there. Sure, Doc. Thank you. And, and let me just remind the listeners, uh, Dr. White has no bo- bosses, you know. Um, uh, she <laughs> no, we all, we all work nicely together. Every now and again, we have to make sure we manage each other. How about that? So the Neighborhood House Association is a nonprofit organization that services uh, countywide in San Diego from the um, top end, uh, at the San Diego um, Temecula border to the uh, international border to the south, the ocean to the west, and on the eastern side, El Cajon. So if you know that geography, um, we are a huge organization in terms of our footprint. We operate through 25 different programs, and we call it a continuum of care where we start with delivering healthy children into the world, and our vision and goal is to bring those healthy children back to work inside of our workforce 20 to 30 years from when we first received them into the world. It's a lofty vision. It's a vision that we're very, very focused on. We've strung um, many, many programs together to ensure that continuum of care model that we talked about. And it's starting to yield results. We're actually getting four and five individuals that either went through our Uh, summer intern program or went through our college prep program that are now employees of the organization. Uh, Myself, I'm not just the president and CEO, I'm a former student out of Head Start in 1968. So that's a little bit about who we are. Obviously, Doc, everything has changed uh, in light of this pandemic. And I know we want to kind of focus in on operations through COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful. We appreciate your giving that overview of Neighborhood House Association. You know, Rudy, when the pandemic hit and the state of California initially shut down and kind of issued 
the stay-at-home orders. What were the thoughts that initially went through your head, and what did you do? Well, the first thought was, gee, um, this is not a, a situation I've ever dealt with as a president and CEO. That was the very first thought. You know, I've never managed through a pandemic. Um, and, and when I get into choppy water, so to speak, as a president and CEO, I like to stop and listen to my inner voice. It's usually connected with a higher power for me. Uh, and so I just relax, listen, and then I start to um, plan, um, strategize, and move forward with our team. So the first thing I, I thought about was we needed to protect the lives of the employees that work for this agency. So we have 850 team members plus a few part-time individuals. Um, we knew that protecting that paycheck and ensuring that they had um, – you know, their, their medical benefits, um, their flexible benefits, things that they're going to need to survive through this pandemic was extremely important to us. So I, I worked with our team to ensure that we protected as many jobs on the payroll as we possibly could. Obviously, the next step was how do we protect um, and serve those clients that um, are deemed in our essential footprint? So can um, I have you step back before you go there? Yeah. Uh -huh. And I just want to have you say a little bit more about how did you actually go about avoiding laying, laying off employees? Because that seemed like a really big feat given what we've sure. seen in the world around us. Well, you know, um, Doc, and I'm sure we're going to get right into the meat of this, especially with Damon on the line. It's hard to derive payment for services when you're not literally performing services on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so you have to work with all of your funders, um, be it government entities, um, corporate funders, individual donors, and um, really manage their expectation during this pandemic, right? So obviously our biggest funder is the Department of Head Start. Um, and Damon can talk a little bit about his leadership in ensuring that we could do some virtual work and engaging our families and students virtually, making sure that we could telecommute and telework with our staff. Um, we had to talk to the County of San Diego. We have a bunch of programs that we run through the county that are derived from the state of California. So we had to ensure that we can provide, again, virtual services or teleservices uh, in those arenas. So it wasn't like those entities knocked on our door. We actually had to call them up and convince them that we could do this. And again, I know uh, Damon's gonna dive into the details. My number one goal was to bring in the revenue that we needed to support the payroll. And if we could bring in the revenue to support the payroll, we could satisfy step one. And then step two was to perform services the, up to the folks that were most in need in a very safe manner. And we're talking about PPE and all of that. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And just for our listening audience, I just want to underscore just the power um, behind your one having the vision of being able to, or I should say the desire of being able to continue to have staff be employed, 
be able to meet the needs of their families and so on and so forth. You're taking that desire and really putting into it a vision and then um, believing that you could bring that vision to fruition and activating yourself in the team to make the contact. No one was, like you said, knocking on your door and saying, here, here are some options, but you then have the tenacity to move forward with um, creating those options. So great leadership lessons. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I heard you kind of passing that the baton a little bit to Damon. Before we move on to the next question, Damon or Dwight, anything you'd like to add to what Rudy has started to share about this kind of like the onset? Oh, um, I, I, I would just add, uh, Dr. White, that, you know, one of the, what I call the, the misconceptions through the pandemic, it really is about people believing that you are, phys you know, you may be physically closed, mm -hmm. um, but you're also finding ways to continue to work and continue to deliver services and, and, and kind of negate that per perception that because you're closed, because you physically don't have schools open, that children aren't learning, families aren't being served, and their needs aren't being met. Yeah. So I want to go back to that, um, Damon, and maybe ask you to think about and share, you know, what were some of the uh, services that were offered um, as you began to become nimble and figure out how to maintain contact with our um, children and parents in the Head Start program. And Rudy, maybe you could share with us now, just looking at the larger global part of the organization, what were some of the, were there any on-ground services or other services that continued um, throughout this time? Absolutely, Doc. And, and I know we're going to hit a break here in a minute. Um, and again, not to get too deep into the woods, we're, part of our program revolves around or our 25 programs revolve around early childhood education. So you're talking early Head Start, Head Start, and state preschool. So those functions at its core, as Damon said, we had to kind of reinvent ourselves in terms of how we were engaging those family and children. But the piece that went silent behind the scenes was the fact that we provide healthy meals as part of that service. So if you don't have these children in a center-based environment, you have to be, be innovative in how you're going to reach them and get these healthy meals, which we think we have one of the healthiest meals for zero to four-year-olds in the country to those families. So we stood up seven locations or eight locations, and that in itself was a challenge. It would have been easier to provide those meals in a center-based environment. So that's kind of just mm -hmm. one of the many programs that were essential mental health, wraparound support for all of those families. That was essential. So, you know, as Damon said, you know, just because the sign on the door says, you know, we're not open for business at this location doesn't mean in the back someone is not working to support and engage those mm -hmm. 25,000 individuals that we touch a year. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Appreciate that. Damien, you want to give us the tip of the iceberg? And I know we do have a break coming up that maybe start us on what types of services were set up and offered for our early um, Head Start and um, Head Start children. So that sounds like I don't have very much time to kind of 
set, set it up for the next transition. But, but what I will say is, you know, when we got the news uh, in, in mid-March, um, as it relates to the pandemic and, and knew we had to kind of shift our operation. Um, I, I think Rudy uh, alluded to it a little bit earlier. We had to take a step back. Mm-hmm. And, and as, as we all need to do at various points in time, but it was even more critical at this point in time, recognizing that on March 13th, we only had 90 days left in our traditional school year. And so that's a, a, a critical moment in Head Start um, because our goal is to prepare children for kindergarten. You know, we're a school readiness program. So I'm so, going to say that's our cliffhanger. Okay. And when we come back, we're going to hear what did you do? So please stay with us. We'll be right back on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we are back with more on Leadership Matters. I'm your host, Cheryl White, and excited to have colleagues from the Neighborhood House Association with us today, including our executive leadership um, leaders, our president and CEO, Mr. Rudolph Johnson III, general counsel and uh, general manager of legal, Dwight Smith, and general manager education in uh, education and operations and chairman of the board for the National Head Start Association, Damon Carson. And Damon, before we went to break, 
you are about to uh, share with us what you did in that moment to keep our um, four-year-olds on that trajectory of, of um, being ready, school ready, in the midst of this pandemic that just kind of hit us and you had to be nimble and ebb and flow. So what did that look like? Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you. And it was certainly um, was a quick pivot recognizing that we only had you know, three, three or four months before the end of the school year. And, you know, knowing that that our purpose in Head Start is, is really to prepare children to make sure that they're academically ready, uh, they're socially and emotionally ready, and they're health-wise, they're, they're healthy enough to um, transition to kindergarten. Um, and, and so we just had to remind ourselves, you know, why we are here and, and what we work on constantly, but just get a little bit more focused on um, how we shift our services to prepare those children and families to make those transitions. So um, one of the, one of the well-documented issues as it relates to children um, making the transition from you know, any early childhood setting to um, a K through 12 setting uh, over the summer is the issue around summer learning loss. And so that, that's, a, that's something that, that we work hard at to prevent. And so usually how we prevent that is providing physical in-person services uh, for our four-year-olds to, to make sure they're ready come September. Well, we couldn't do that. And, and so we had to uh, look for ways to uh, implement measures to, to capture all three things, like how are our kids going to be academically ready? How are they going to be literate enough in, in terms of reading skills and mathematical skills to make the transition to kindergarten? Um, I, we had to look at, you know, how will we keep our families healthy? You know, one uh, Rudy spoke to um, uh, about providing meal services to our families but also, um, you know, Head Start has a major health component built into it. Um, we're, we're fortunate enough to have uh, licensed therapists on staff, uh, licensed clinicians on staff. We have registered dietitians on staff. Uh, we have mental health camp, licensed mental health counselors and therapists on staff. And so tapping into those expert areas of expertise and those resources and making them available to families throughout the summer was critical to keeping families engaged and making sure that their basic needs and some of their, some of their individual needs were taken care of to put them in a good place to, to you know, from a health perspective, transition to kindergarten. Um, um, where, as it relates to the academic piece, um, we were able to partner with a nonprofit or organization called Waterford, uh, based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, they, had, uh, they had provided us with the opportunity to participate in a, a California cohort uh, of a summer learning program for, for four-year-old children uh, that would provide the child with adaptive learning software and, and a laptop. Uh, computer and Wi-Fi if, if the families needed it. Um, it also came with a personal coach that, that would call families 
uh, push notifications to families about, you know, uh, activities that were occurring and their child's progress related to those activities. So there was a kind of a, a brand new kind of ecosystem created of, of, of partnerships, if you will, um, to make sure the child was doing okay. I, I will point out there were over 2,000 uh, children uh, in California that participated in this cohort. Uh, neighborhood House supplied 50% of those. We wow. supplied 1,000 of those 2,000 children. So mm -hmm. any of the data that comes out of that can, can certainly be attributed to the Neighborhood House Association mm -hmm. as kind of leading the way for California. Mm -hmm. But, but those, those, that program uh, made available to our, our, our families free of charge was pretty much a game changer mm -hmm. as it relates to uh, preventing our four-year-old children from experiencing summer learning loss. Mm -hmm. And what we see from that data really shows that our, that our children done, have, have performed phenomenally well and have, have um, really risen to a, a level of what they call kindergarten uh, in a intermediacy level. So our children at the end of the summer were testing out of this program uh, at a level of children compared to them would be halfway through their school year during the kindergarten, uh, during their kindergarten year. So that was, that was great. Um, I think as it relates to our three-year-olds and younger children, that was kind of our, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of our experimental place where we could kind of play with Zoom, we could play with GoToMeeting uh, and try to connect with families and children through small groups, activities, um, you know, uh, uh, various dramatic play experiences, and just trying to do what we can to try to simulate some type of educational environment. And we certainly learned a lot over the summer, which has really prepared us well to uh, enter this fall, or well, obviously we're in the fall now, but, but it prepared us well to know what to expect and work on for the fall. Wonderful. What a wonderful case study in and of itself around interdisciplinary uh, support, around collaboration internal to the organization, but also collaboration and partnerships external for the betterment of the community. Thanks, Damon. I appreciate you sharing that. Rudy, how about sharing a little bit about um, you know, when COVID hit, you say, you know, you still had some um, employees, many were working from home, others were working on ground. So I know that there was a need to ensure safety for employees and clients. What were some of the things that you put into place um, to help ensure the employee safety as well as clients? No, thank you. Um, well, first of all, you know, just looking in round numbers, we have about 850 FTEs. Um, of the 850, I would say about 100 and maybe 50, 160 were deemed essential across the board. So if you think about it, when we got the call March 13th, never will forget, uh, the governor ordered pretty much the state to be closed. Um, there were 160 out of 850 employees that continued to work in their normal capacity. So obviously we had 160 employees that we needed to protect, including myself, because I was still coming to the office on a daily basis. And so we start looking at the basic PPE material and ensuring that we were ordering enough supply to cover 
the 160 plus men and women that we had out in the field deployed. So um, everything from masking, gloving, uh, sanitizer for hands, um, et cetera, we had, we had to bring in to our location. On top of that, we did temp um, checks at the door of all of our locations. So in the beginning, they were handheld devices. And then we graduated to a kiosk, a station that uh, was personless, where it was automated, and you would step up, it would read your temp, um, it would give you some other vitals, and it would give you, you know, um, a sound of affirmative, or basically you needed to go talk to someone to uh, deeper dive your vitals. Mm-hmm. So that still stood up across the family of our facilities. Um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about setting up what we call our pod um, at one of our locations where we're going to stand up um, our center-based early head start operation. We took the PPE and the screening to a different level. Okay. Okay. So before we jump into that next space, I'll just ask you from the beginning, um, were there any blind spots, anything that you were not expecting that as you went through that initial phase kind of hit you and came into your awareness? Well, obviously, I'm a lot of things, doc, but a medical doctor, I'm not. You know, there are probably three things I can't do. I can't lawyer. <laughs> I'm not an attorney. Um, I can't fly a plane. I have to trust the pilot. And I cannot operate on anyone. <laughs> as much as I would like to try all three of those things, and sometimes I do it from the from the back seat, much to Dwight Smith's chagrin sometimes, he reminds me he's the attorney I'm not. But um, in all seriousness, not being a medical doctor, <clears throat> I was very, you know, all of this was new to me. PPE, the virus, you know, how it function, how it operates. I was watching a lot of CNN, taking a lot of advice from, from my colleagues, you know, um, you know, talking to some of my friends in the, in the um, medical arena. And I'm still doing that to, to this day. And we're still learning more information about it. So I guess I would just say the way the virus behaved mm-hmm. was my blind spot and still is because as, as, as good as you can be in terms of your intention, mm-hmm. um, there's still something else you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Good point. And I know at some point you had mentioned... Um, Dwight, just, Dwight wanted to add on to something. Please, Dwight, jump on in. Yeah, Dr. White, I would say, um, you know, one of the blind spots I think we all encounter was the uh, politicization mm-hmm. of this whole virus and the mask. Uh, I always thought and assumed that the communities, all of our communities would pull together against a common enemy, but never expected a divided house, uh, divided communities, and people wanting to take a political stand about wearing a mask without regard to the safety of others. So that was a real blind spot for many of us. We always assume people know we're all in this together, but apparently that is not the case. Yeah, wonderful point, um, Dwight. Mm-hmm. Yes, and when we come back, I'd love to hear more from you, um, Dwight. We'll look forward to hearing more about the pod that um, Rudy referenced with regards to how are we going about 
setting up maybe a pilot of um, a more assertive on-ground campus operation of our early development child center. But then what are the legal ramifications and considerations, Dwight? We'd love to have you jump in and talk about that. Uh, Rudy, I know in a prior conversation, you had mentioned something about um, a blind spot around operations back at house. So when we come back, maybe you can share a little bit about that too for our listening audience who's trying to maybe put all these pieces to the puzzle together. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we are back with more on Leadership Matters today, talking about nonprofit serving and enduring amidst a public health pandemic with executive leaders from the Neighborhood House Association, Rudolph Johnson III, President and CEO, Dwight Smith, General Counsel and General Manager of Legal, and Damon Carson, General Manager of Education, Instruction and Operations, and Chairman of the Board for the National Head Start Association. Again, welcome to each of you, and thank you to each of you. You've given us a wonderful case study and lots of good leadership tips um, in our conversation thus far. want to um, throw it back to you, just Rudy, to kind of hear a little bit about the other um, blind spot that you had mentioned previously in operations. No, thank you, Doc. Um, 
obviously, when you're in the middle of a pandemic, you're just trying to, you know, make sure that you dot the I's and cross the T's. The blind spot operationally in terms of infrastructure that I wasn't prepared for was that you're still going to need a portion of your back of house to be operational in order to process things like payroll, um, you know, uh, you have to push out procurement. You still need folks to bid, you know, on things. Um, you have to have safety awareness. So you have a safety component. So there were a lot of back of house functions that couldn't just go home and work from home because we actually needed to every day do something to move the overall organization forward. So that was the other blind spot operationally. Yeah, so thanks for mentioning that because I think that also allows us, it's like this whole um, process of thinking, you know, how do we serve? How do we keep people safe? And at the same time, what are the engines that we also have to keep going and how do we protect and um, bring in those individuals as well? Damon, can we pivot over to you and talk a little bit about our um, major effort that's underway with regards to getting one of the early child development centers up and going on ground? And you are on mute. Yes, uh, I apologize for (laughs) that, uh, but it happens in this environment. So obviously um, the the goal around any of the work that we do is to get to a place where we could deliver the services in the best manner that we're experienced with and, and, and that demonstrates high quality. Um, so the goal has always been to get back to reopening and providing in-person uh, physical services, uh, i.e. opening schools. Um, the, 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 the million dollar question is how you do that um, in, a, in a safe and responsible manner that is uh, fiscally sound, um, that, that embraces the values of your organization. Um, and, and there's always a lot of competing interests. Um, we knew we had limitations um, in, in terms on the guidance that we've received from whether it's the CDC or your local entities or even the state for that matter. We've, we've gotten guidance on in terms of class sizes, group sizes, uh, physical distancing, you know, PPE, all the things you need to have in place. Um, There's not a lot of guidance on how you, you know, ultimately uh, protect the health and safety of your employees and your clients in a, a, you know, truly transparent and responsible manner. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the pan, but the pandemic has shown us is there's plenty of opportunities to learn things uh, each and every day as you receive more data. Early on, uh, I know we've all heard of the, you know, some of the misconceptions around testing, around COVID testing, and, and whether it was appropriate for certain segments of our population, in particular uh, young children. And I know as a, as a leadership team, uh, we went back and forth in, in, in terms of uh, deciding, you know, once we open, uh, is the best possible way to keep our employees and our clients safe is to test them. Um, you know, we, we've had a lot of discussions. You know, obviously, you, you don't know until you do it. Um, 
So we decided that we're going to do it. Um, and we're going to start small and, and create our own pilot in which we can kind of learn, you know, have share our learning experiences uh, through this pilot. Our pilot is, is essentially a small pilot of about 22 children spread amongst four classrooms. Um, you know, each classroom, you just do the simple math. There's, there's probably, you know, five to six children in, in each classroom uh, with two teaching staff. You know, the, the most important thing in this pilot is being able to have not only a safe environment, but, but an environment in which the teachers feel safe to have these quality interactions that students really need during this critical time. So they need the space to kind of do what they do, but they also need to be assured that they're not at any further risk of either uh, uh, contracting or, or, or passing on uh, COVID-19. So our testing program is fairly simple. Uh, you know, prior to the first day of school, uh, uh, teaching staff and, and children will, will have to demonstrate a negative COVID test. Uh, the frequency of testing Will, uh, will occur at a minimum of every two weeks. Uh, we would do everything that we can to encourage parents, uh, to encourage staff members uh, that when they're not, you know, they're not under our care uh, to exercise extreme caution uh, to, to protect themselves and their families. Because one of the things that we want to do our best to avoid is, is during those downtimes, right? After 5 p.m., and over weekends where we don't really have, uh, you know, uh, control, I hate the word control, but maybe not as much influence as we, we normally would have during, you know, normal business hours, just to have our families work with us, have our staff work with us and be committed to making this pod successful. And that's by not extending yourself out to, to larger audiences or going out in public for the greater interest of the education of your child. Great. Our, our pod is, is really simple, straightforward. It, mm -hmm. it, has, it has all the, you know, it's meeting all the mandates uh, per the CDC Office of Head Start in a local county public health department. Mm -hmm. So wonderful places to reference with regards to kind of grinding into the details. And um, Rudy, I'll see if you have something to add. But before you go there, I want to bring Dwight in and have him just begin the initial conversation as it relates to just some legal considerations. From a legal perspective, what are some business liabilities that employers should be just aware of? Uh, thank you, Dr. White. Uh, always keeping in mind that anyone can file a lawsuit, but before a liability can attach to an employer, uh, there must be a violation of a duty owed to the employee or the customer or business invitee. Um, under that theory, uh, uh, OSHA has Require, requires that the employer must ensure the workplace is free from recognized hazards that are causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm. So OSHA is a general duty of keeping the workplace safe. Um, also under most states, the employer uh, has a liability if they know or should have known negligence of a dangerous condition. And that changes all the time. We heard Damon and Rudy saying, you know, we learn more things about the virus all the time. At one point, children were thought to be not carriers and asymptomatic, but that's new information. So now that we have the information, we have to act appropriately. 
And also liability can attach just because of strict liability, just because you violate a statute. The county says close and you open as strict liability. Um, so, so again, um, you know, once a duty has been breached uh, and an injury has occurred, that's when the employee employer can be subject to various claims for liability. Uh, the theories of liability evolve almost as quickly as the virus mutates because, again, when we learn something new, how it transmits, we have to address that. So liability could come under workers' comp for an employee injured at work. It can be under an ADA um, reasonable accommodation discussion uh, if the employer does not handle that uh, in accordance with protocol. Um, also, EEOC at discrimination. Like we test all employees, we screen all employees. You can't just screen employees over a certain age. You just can't screen um, only, uh, you know, you have to have a non-discriminatory way of applying your standards. So, so that's another source of liability. And finally, just outright retaliation. That's just the number one claim that employees um, typically file. That's typically if you, if you raise a concern about a health issue and the employer were to take some punitive action against you just because you raise a concern. Now, NHA, you know, we are aware of all these things. We don't do that, but many employers need to be aware of that. An employer can raise a, a totally ridiculous claim. Mm -hmm. You can't retaliate against them for raising a claim. You just deal with the claim, deny it, and move on. So, so those are some of the main concerns we uh, uh, look at as far as liability for an employer. Mm -hmm. Can the employer require employees to engage in, let's say, protocols that they've established, be it testing, be it wearing a mask, and so on and so forth? Uh, absolutely. The EEOC recently updated its uh, frequently asked question guidance, and they confirmed that temperature checks and COVID-19 viral testing are permissible under the ADA as a screening tool, um, uh, as, as long, again, as it's done on a non-discriminatory basis. So, yes, employees have to comply with the safety protocol as a condition of employment. Correct. Wonderful. So it looks like we're going to be headed into another break. But when we come back, Dwight, I'd like to hear from you if there's some other thoughts with regards to employee rights or employee responsibilities, as well as, Rudy, there may be some other things that you wanted to add um, as relates to the BYF, the, the opening of the Child Development Center, our pod, or there may be other thoughts. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. 
or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We are back with our executive leaders from the Neighborhood House Association talking about nonprofits serving and enduring amidst a public health pandemic. Rudy Johnson III, President and CEO of the Neighborhood House Association. Dwight Smith, General Counsel and General Manager of Legal at the Neighborhood House Association. And Damon Carson, General Manager, Education, Instruction and Operations and Chairman of the Board for the National Head Start Association. Thank you so much for all of the information you've provided. Dwight, I'd like to just start back with you and have you share a little bit about, we talked about employers' responsibilities. Any employee responsibilities or employee rights? Yes, Dr. White. Uh, Employees have the responsibility of, first of all, complying and understanding what the safety protocols are. So understanding, ask questions, complying, if you see others not following protocol, you know, we're all our brother's keeper. We have to look out for one another. So at NHA, we have a COVID hotline so we can report people who are not compliant. So um, also em- employees should basically stay home when you're not feeling well, uh, self-quarantine, just practice good hygiene and take good care of yourself. Stay mentally well, stay physically fit, eat a proper diet, all those things that helped you stay well before still continue. Uh, But in addition to employees' responsibilities, as far as their rights, again, under OSHA provides some guidelines that we cannot discriminate against an employee that has a reasonable belief that they may suffer an injury because of coming to work. So it has to be a reasonable belief, not just an unbased fear. So if an employee has a concern, serious concern about their own safety or safety of someone in their household, many things they can do They can work with their supervisor to have some modifications made in their job if possible. They can ask for a leave, either um, personal leave or whatever, until things subside, take vacation, sick time. They can even ask for a transfer. 
But at the end of the day, employees need to know that they have to be able to do a job that has been accommodated and revised to be performed in a safe manner. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you, Dwight. I appreciate that. Rudy, how about for yourself? Any final thoughts from our listening audience? Well, just a couple points, you know, and then I'll make a statement. First of all, um, when we created this pod, you know, I was one of the first employees to volunteer to go through the testing protocol. In other words, once you start the testing protocol, you have to stay with it or else you can never enter that facility. So it's not just the initial screening, you know, as Damon talked about, it's the every, every 14 days or every two weeks, those individuals have to be screened in order to be compliant to be at that facility. So that's point one. Um, point two, I would say is that, you know, at the Neighborhood House Association from day one, you know, we've done everything we could to ensure that we were engaging our employees, sharing information from the federal, state, and local levels, uh, navigating these on-again, off-again closures, you know, which can be frustrating. And from a business perspective, it can be, you know, debilitating because if you're, if you're activating folks to come to work and then the next day you're, you're sending them back home, it really confuses the employee base and it puts you as a business at a disadvantage because you don't know if you're operating remotely or you have folks coming on site. Mm-hmm. But then to speak to, um, you know, Dwight's uh, point, um, you know, this is a new ball game for a lot of employers and for-profit organizations are really grappling with this. In fact, some of them are going out of business, not to mention nonprofits. You know, some nonprofits packed up everything and said, thank you very much. Have a nice day. We just can't function in this environment. So, you know, I'm, I'm guardedly optimistic about our approach. We have not been perfect, but I think together we can ensure, you know, those basic principles, A, protecting the jobs um, and and life um, of of our internal employees, protecting the safety of our clients, and being a responsible neighbor in the community. Those are kind of the the basic tenets by which we're making our decision. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you, Rudy. Appreciate that. Damon, any final thoughts from yourself? Um, Again, thank you for this uh, chance to uh, speak on in in this platform. Um, I think also what I will close with is is just having uh, your listeners just being aware and being conscious of the fact that you need your employees in a good space so they can provide their best services. And there's certainly a number of things that we've done internally to to provide safe spaces for individuals to uh, address their needs and take care of themselves. Don't, you know, really would love the opportunity to go into that, you know, a little deeper, but, but the point being for my closing argument is to make sure your employees are in a good space so they can deliver quality services. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I heard the closing arguments, that attorney language from you and Dwight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So I know you don't go by the hat of attorney, but I know you have a lot great. <laughs> I'm a jack of all trades. <laughs> I, I, I recognize those closing remarks being closing arguments. <laughs> so thank you to um, each of you. Um, it has been a wonderful conversation. I know there's much more. Look forward to there being a part two in this conversation. I know that we serve and many of our employees are from populations that have been hardest hit by COVID-19. And I know that that too has impacted um, your leadership and the decision. So I'd love to have a conversation about that as well. The employee survey that we um, did at Neighborhood House Association, we had more than 460 responders. And I think they echo the appreciation because many of them, even though we didn't ask for it, just made comments really expressing their appreciation to you for your leadership and um, helping to get the agency uh, through this difficult time. So hats off to you for the exceptional job that you've done and that the agency continues to do in serving our community. So again, um, Rudolph Johnson III, President CEO, Neighborhood House Association, uh, Dwight Smith, General Counsel and General Manager of LEGO, and Damon Carson, General Manager, Education, Instruction and Operations, and Chairman of the Board for the National Head Start Association. We say thank you, thank you, thank you to each of you for today. Look forward to scheduling a part two, and thank you so much to our listening audience for tuning in. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Leadership Matters.